Hey podcast fam, it's Ben here from my friends over at Baseballism. Founded by four former college baseball players and teammates, their love and passion for the game did not stop after leaving the playing field. An amazing organization founded on the beliefs of class, tradition, and the history of baseball. I personally shop at Baseballism because of the quality of their products and the top of the line customer service I get each and every time. Take it from me, an avid hat lover. Baseballism is not your run of the mill apparel company. Check them out at any of their fine locations or visit them online at baseballism.com. Baseballism, built for the love of the game. Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) There was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him (laughs) in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your hosts, Ben and Dave. Listening to another episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. The reason why I'm playing that song is I am on the road last week and this week, and we are recording via Skype with none other than Coach Ian Sanderson of Lower Community College, um, Lower Columbia Community College. I'm sorry, I'm getting this all messed up, but it's all good. Coach Sanderson, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, so we were we were just talking a minute ago about how uh, in our previous episode when I was messing up the uh, the intro, and I think we had to record it like four times before we got it right. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, there was a good four. It set a good tone. It set a it set good a tone. relaxing tone. And I had to do something to kind of get the juices flowing to get us going. Yeah, but uh, that's Holiday Road, and that's in one of the famous <laughs> movies of all time from the '80s, Vacation. I recommend if you haven't seen that, get out and see it. It's it's really funny, and that song will be stuck in your head for a lifetime. Um, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to find a VHS to see that anymore, but <laughs> nope. But uh, you might be able to download it or something. But I, with that with that being said, welcome back this week, Coach. How you know it's uh, it was great having you on last week. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I got got my feet wet. Now we're now we're feeling comfortable and ready to roll. Exactly. So, uh, so we, we we left off with uh, you know talking some college ball, and then I know you'd mentioned a little bit about uh, in your high school time frame that uh, that's where you you really began to uh, start to be interested in coaching, and that's where you said that you you know you see you saw yourself. For your future and your future involvement in baseball let's jump back into that and i'd like to have you talk a little bit more about kind of what that feeling was like at that moment um you know there was a time i was it was legion baseball and this is where it all started to click that 
maybe that is my my route as the coaching is. I was going into my junior or senior. I can't remember exactly which summer, um, but our summer coach wasn't able to be there. And there was two dads that would volunteer and help, um, but they were self-proclaimed, didn't know much about baseball. So what they did is they had me coach the team that day. Uh, we had, we had no a way. game. I so I was 16 or 17 years old, coaching third base in a Legion game. And I believe, I just remember being scared out there. You know, like, God, I'm, I'm supposed to be playing. These guys are going to get mad at me. They're all buddies of mine. But then once I got in the box at third base, things kind of slowed down and I didn't I didn't really have that many cares if they were that upset with me or they were. I just was excited to be there and things went well. I mean, we ended up um, winning the game in the eighth inning. We had a hit and run the guy in second. I remember this clear as day, you know, back, you know, X amount of years later. Um, guy in first base gets on by walk. We go hit and run. He goes first to third. And then we had a little bloop over this first baseman. Um, to win it and that was when I knew like all right these guys are physically better than me but I have something I can bring to the table yeah well that that's really cool that you were you know able to get to that um, that early and you know you just felt right at home you know coaching there at third base so what let's jump into your what was your first actual beyond you know 17 18 years old uh what was your first uh coaching experience um i got asked to be a volunteer at my old high school when i got done playing and i, I was on the varsity group um, and that was for just a year um and then i kind of kicked around you know i took like i said earlier the academic route wasn't a best decisions for me um i didn't take it that serious so i hadn't figured out really what i wanted to do and so i took some time away from coaching baseball to go back and get my education um because i realized it was if i wanted to be in this game at, at the highest level i can get to then education has to take a priority and so that's you know it was not fun being away from the game but it had to be done for me to have a long, longer career. And so, yeah, I took some time off and then, you know, got my degree. And then lo and behold, as I was in the middle of getting my degree, I get asked by a buddy of mine who we have class together on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hey, you want to coach a 13U Bay Ruth team, team with me this year in Ellensburg, Washington? And I said, yeah, why not? I got nothing else to do on on the weekends, you know, it's, um, and then that turned into getting a head job at what was Brooklyn baseball Academy down in Yakima, <laughs> you know? So those are kind of the first experiences that I had of getting into the game on this side of it. Yeah. And, uh, I think I read that your first head coach job, um, was well for high school on the high school level was at Kent Meridian high school. Yeah, that was the first um, paid head job in a school district. 
Um, that was an experience on its own, multiple experiences in one stop. <laughs> First head job. Um, the team hadn't won a game in four years or maybe five years at that time. And looking back, we, we got a couple while I was there and, um, it was a great experience of <clears throat> learning how to develop, um, the love of the game for other people. Um, you know, because the skills weren't as good as other schools. I mean, we had, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kent Lake, Kent Meridian and that thing. And that was back when like Joe Waynehouse, who was for a UW, you know, smashing baseballs 400 feet was in this league at this time as a senior. And so you had to teach in a different way. And I, and I feel like that is part of the reason I've been able to have success is I went through some of the failures as a coach as well. Were you just more than a head coach at the, uh, at the school? I'm assuming you were like a mentor. You were basically like a behavioral specialist dealing with these, these kids and, and then maybe like a groundskeeper too. Yeah. Um, the school is um, at that time was in, a rough spot, you know, it was some inner city stuff, gang stuff going on. Um, having uh, families that were going to be kicked out of their house. Um, uh, one kid had to miss a couple days of practice to go say goodbye to his mother who was going to prison for life. Um, so there was a lot of outside things that weren't baseball related that were, I don't know, for lack of a better word, very um, eye-opening. Um, being from a small town, living always in you know country smaller towns and being the <clears throat> quote-unquote city area, um, that was eye-opening for me. And then, you know, to this day, I still keep in touch with a couple of those players. Um, you know, one of them um, sells cars and, you know, I talk to them and the other day, the other one's a real estate agent, you know, so talk to a few of those guys and they've kind of changed the path of how things were going for them at that time. And so it's really awesome to see that mm-hmm. growth. Yeah. Uh, so you're coaching there for, it looks like apparently a year. And then you get a job offer at the University of Antelope Valley as a pitching coach there. Is that correct? Yeah. So I was there. And then uh, in the spring of um, 14, and then uh, that UAV calls. And, you know, this was a kind of a funny story. I'm applying to some college gigs and I'm going, God, I'm only one year as a high school coach. This is a real long shot, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spend my 40 minutes, do my application, see what happens. Um, I have a Skype interview because um, it's down in Lancaster, California, and I'm up in Washington at the time. <clears throat> and so get done with that interview. Um, I actually go meet my parents who were camping not too far from, they just got in a trailer and 
they were chesting it out. And so I'm out there and I get a phone call. Hey, and this is like two hours later. Hey, take the job. We want you to offer that. We're going to offer you the job. And I said, okay. He said, you need to call me and give, I give you 24 hours to make your decision. I said, okay. Went, uh, went home, took a, took a nap, called him back about six hours later and said, all right, I'm in. Um, never living more than, you know, four hours away from my hometown. I never out of the state. I'm like, all right, let's go to California and see what happens. Um, and so that was, you know, load, load the Explorer up and head down the highway about two weeks later, maybe three weeks at the most. And so that was a, you know, quick change. And it was, it was exciting and welcomed. And, you know, I still talk with coach Moses, who was the head coach at UAV. Uh, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, actually. He's uh, still coaching in um, the NAI at uh, McPherson down in Kansas and talk to him on a regular because that guy gave me a chance in the college level. Um, and so I got to, so I keep him close and, and respect him a lot. Now, when your time there and, and with him, what are, what are a couple things that you, that you learn from him as a coach that you carry on into the future and even try to implement while you were there? Um, there's, you don't have to get, I guess, for lack of a better word, you don't have to get angry to get your point across to players. You don't have to be yelling and screaming. Um, obviously there's a time and a place to get on somebody, but he was so level in that aspect. And also that and, and stand your ground. You know, if you believe in something um, on the field, whether it's an umpire's call, your decision as far as um, pitch call or, you know, maybe trying to steal a base, stand by that decision. You're going to get second guess no matter what. Stand by your decision. So those are two of the things that really, you know, I, I still use to this day. Yeah. And then, so if I'm if my notes are correct, you spent about a year at the at the school, and then looks like uh, looks like Lower Columbia Community College came calling for you. Yeah, so a year down there, um, and I was coming back in May um, from UAV to Washington to coach for the summer and also recruit up here, and. I remember I went to a game and it happened to be Lower Columbia versus Tacoma for the West Region um, Championship. So I'm I'm up there recruiting. I get a call a couple of days after this goes down that Coach Moses is not going to be back at UAB, and so I get a call from the athletic director. You know, once the head coach goes. Odds are most everybody else goes on staff. And so I'm coaching in the summer, not knowing if I am going to be able to stay in the college game because the first college gig I got, I'm not able to go back because they're going with a new head coach. So rough summer, to say the least. 
um, of trying to figure out what I was going to do. I didn't want to be out of the game. Um, I was still coaching a 18U team at the time. And all of a sudden, you know, it's um, Coach Smith, who was the one that hired me at Lower Columbia at the time, we're talking about this maybe a month ago. I see a tweet. Um, and it says, Lower Columbia is looking for an assistant coach. And I remember telling my fiance, um, hey, I wasn't good enough to play here. Maybe I can try to get on as a coach and see how cool it is to be part of it. Not thinking I was really going to have a chance. So I send the email in. I don't hear anything. Come to find out he was on vacation for uh, two weeks or a week and a half. So that's why I didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden I get a call, interview um, on a Tuesday. And I think Tuesday night he calls me. Hey, you want the job? It's yours to take it. We need you here in five days. Oh, jeez. And I said, um, can we make it seven? And he, Coach Smith looks at me and er, says, well, I guess we can. And so, yeah, and then you get to Lower Columbia, and that's kind of where we've settled in for right now. So you, you, you came in as the associate head coach, and were you a pitching coach at the time, or was it just the No, I, I came in as the uh, – as the last assistant on staff at, the, mm-hmm. at Lower Columbia, because Coach Smith at the time, Eddie Smith was the head coach, and then Eric Lane, who is now currently our head coach, um, was the offensive guy. So I came in, I coached first base, worked with the outfielders, worked with some, worked with hitters, um, through BP. Basically, it was uh, my full day as those two guys and two of us throwing BP. And then uh, I took over the pitching when Coach Smith left in fall of 16 or 17, excuse me, 17. And then that's when, you know, Eric Lane got promoted to head coach and everything got jumped up. Yeah, and uh, that scene, he went to Tulane, right? Is that correct, Coach Smith? Yeah, he he went to Tulane and uh, is now the – the offensive coach at uh, LSU. Yeah, that that's that's definitely a, a step up in the world. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Lower Columbia. I mean, it, you know, in the NWAC, it, they've been pretty successful um, in four of the last five seasons. I mean, it's they, you know, what champions of the NWAC in the last four of the five seasons. I mean, that's that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, we're uh, in the last. It's been a great run, you know. That just it's a it's a tough thing to win once, um, but it's a tough thing to continue to win. And it's been a blessing to be here to see how to be successful, um, but also the the pride that previous players take in the logo that is on your chest when you're an LC player is probably one of the funnest things. The, the alumni that come back to watch games, to be a part of everything. You know, we have, we have guys stop in that played on the 78 team and they're just driving through on I-5 and they haven't been here in 35 years and they stop in. Um, so that part's awesome as well. You know, winning is also fun. Yeah. What, uh, 
what's recruiting like to you know there because i mean clearly you you're you're competing against all of the other schools that are out there um recruiting is a, a funny thing it's you know for us we're in a tough location being in longview we're not in a city or we're not you know big town big city um so it's kind of you know for a lot of these guys a rural town you know even though it's not that small um so you got to find the right guy to be honest it's you know a lot of talent but also you got to find the right guy that's good with moving away from home um you know the guy that wants to work hard because some of the things we do here is based on tradition um you know our recruiting now is um you know coach coach kurt lipinski is our recruiting guy and he does a heck of a job at seeing as many guys as he can and and we try to get the best players we can but sometimes talent is put on the back burner if we can find the right guy and that's in package uh, impales everything around that we want we want the hard worker the good student obviously the plus player I mean that's ultimately what it is but you know, if we can get a guy that is on the same level physically, but maybe a little less talented, doesn't works harder than everybody else, we're going to take that guy over the more talented player because we think we can get some get some development out of him. And so that's where a lot of our recruiting goes to is just finding the right fit for us. Why does what what makes them so? What makes Lower Com- Columbia Community College so special to you? Um, to me, it's just the success that this place provides and has provided for years, um, to players, whether it's, um, academically and on the baseball field, but the, the baseball side of things, it's been around. I mean, we won the first, our first championship in, in the seventies, um, and it's, continued and the pride that people take and it's a staple of you know people don't don't want to uh congratulate us all the time because they're like oh they did it again they did it again but they respect it and and that started with the guys in the 70s and then the traditions that were kept going with you know all the coaches that the farringtons that were here the the Kelly Smiths to, you know, Eddie Smith. Um, you know, we still push, you know, for some of these LC people that might hear this, you know, still push boxes. That was started in, in the 90s. And we still have the same boxes that get pushed. Um, I, I love the tradition. Excellent. Well, we are going to take a quick break because I want to hear from our sponsors. But once we come back, We're going to jump into West Coast League and summer collegiate baseball because you've you've been actively involved with that for for a few years now. So um, we're going to hear from our sponsors and take a quick break. What's going on, podcast family? Ben here for Devo Bad Company. Rooted in eastern Washington, Devo uses nothing but the highest quality maple 
ash birch on the market. You know what? It makes a difference. At Devo Bats, they take pride in the craftsmanship that goes into each and every wooden bat produced. Your success at the plate is their ultimate priority. They want you to know when you think of bats, think of Devo Bats. Devo Bats, your Northwest supplier of affordable quality wooden bats. Have you ever seen an advertisement for the Hitting Vault but can't quite figure out what it is? Get a one-on-one consultation with my man Travis at the Hitting Vault for more information. That's T-R-A-V-I-S at thehittingvault.com. Learn how the most trusted online baseball and softball hitting instruction can make you a better coach and or player today. The Hitting Vault, unlock your power. All right, we are back. So, Coach, we we, get, we were just talking about Lower Columbia Community College and your your time there and current time there. Um, but you know, outside of teaching and instructing and coaching at Lower Columbia Community College in the summertime, you you also continue to coach, uh, but you're also coaching at a different level per se uh, with the uh, with the West Coast League, also the I also read that you coach in the Western Canadian Baseball League, also. But uh, looks yeah, like I did. Get, looks like you got your first gig with the as the pitching coach with the Gresham Gray Wolves, uh, that was in the West Coast League. Talk about talk about getting recruited for that. Um, it was funny. It was, you know, Gresham's first year. Um, and they're about an hour south of us, and. And so I hear about it, and I basically just sent him, got the guy's phone number that was the head coach, sent him a text, said, hey, here's who I am. Can we talk? And uh, calls me, and that was basically all it took. He goes, I've, I've got a lot of people that have interviewed for this. I haven't been totally sold, but here it is. Here's your job. And so it was kind of a, a simple, simple process, to be honest. It wasn't, it wasn't a fancy story. It was, I shot a random text message, got a phone call and got the job. Yeah. Now with the West coast league, like many other summer collegiate baseball leagues that, you know, you're having athletes from around the country that have never played with one another coming together to play in such a quick period of time and it's roughly about a two and a half three month uh league so yeah. what what what's what's like one thing that you do to get people to come together or is that just something that comes naturally to these players and with guys that are at the that take this serious where they think they could turn it into a career it's pretty easy um they come to the yard they get their work in and then they gravitate to guys that have their work ethic. There's a lot of it. Um, and so there's not a lot of things that we have to do. And, and obviously, when you're on eight, you know, 10-hour bus rides, you become close with the guy next to you real fast. Um, 
And so, no, I mean, you don't have to do a lot to put these guys together and get them to gel. Um, you know, they just kind of do it on their own with the work ethic and, you know, take, take care of their business. Yeah, these eight, 10-hour bus rides reminds me of uh, Bull Durham when they're right on the bus. <laughs> I mean, the buses are a little nicer these days where they can watch the movies and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but nobody's in the you're, – you're not in the back stringing the guitar and playing it and singing songs? No. No, yeah. if, if that's the case, everybody's got their earbuds in. And, yeah. you know, if somebody tries playing music after about the first 10 minutes, I get told to be quiet and then <laughs> <laughs> move on. So you, you coach one year with the Gray Wolves, and then you decide to, or circumstances put you into the Fort McMurray Giants of the Western Canadian <laughs> Baseball League as their pitching coach in 2017. Let's let's talk about that. Uh, that was an experience. That was, you know, at this point I'd never been um, into Canada for an extended period of time. And it was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we're about, when I was up there, it was about 60 kilometers south of where the road ends into the Northwest Territory. Oh, um, I knew that the, that league had some good uh, teams in it, like the Okotoska Dogs, um, the Edmonton Prospects. And so I knew that there'd been some good players um, there. So I had a, you know, let's give a shot. And also, you know, baseball takes you into some really interesting places that you'll never, you would never go if it wasn't for baseball. Um, and I probably will never end up back in Fort McMurray because it is so deep. It was the closest bus trip was five and a half hours. So every road trip was at least five and a half hours long. Most of them were 10 to 13. And it could be for two games. It could be for one game, depending on this schedule that year. Um, it was actually, I was up there and they had a fire that kind of devastated the whole town. So a lot of it was being rebuilt at the time up there in Fort McMurray. So it was kind of cool to watch the community rally around baseball, which was the center point. Because um, we did a lot of stuff to try to raise money for um, the schools to get rebuilt because they got ran through by the fires, um, housing to get rebuilt. And so there was a lot of community involvement and everything we did had some kind of benefit going back to the community. And at that point, I really, really enjoyed that. You know, bus trips were kind of worth it when you would see um, a kid get you know, some toys back that were burned in the fire or he's excited that he doesn't have to share one room with four other siblings. Um, so that was, you know, as much as it was a tough experience, um, it was also one of the most eye-opening and fun things to be a part of as well. Yeah, that's pretty amazing that you were able to do that and and give back uh, to a community that's not in your country, but in a different country altogether. So uh, that that's 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 to be commended of you. So um, moving forward, in 2018, you go to the back to the West Coast League, but this time in Victoria, British Columbia, with the Harbor Cats. 
Um, you know, next new year, a little closer back <laughs> to this, little closer back to stateside. The only you problem, know, the, is, the only problem the, is you get the to fiance like that one. You yeah. Know? Um, <laughs> You know, she's put up with a lot of stuff. And being in Fort McMurray, there was really, you know, it's it's a long trip flight-wise. And it's not very conducive for long-distance relationship status. So, um, got back to Victoria. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough. I saw a post somewhere, I can't even remember, and... Um, said if you're interested in being a pitching coach in the west coast league reach out and uh i I did and next thing you know i get uh brian mccray calling me who's the head coach at the time and then the the jim swanson who's the ownership piece that is kind of out there you know we talk and kind of put everything back together and as soon as they offered it was a pretty quick yeah i'm in i think there's a lot of good things in victoria um i've been a part of the other side when they kicked the backside daddy a little bit so i feel they can get some good players <clears throat> and also it's it's such a beautiful town and you know the coaching staff that was set up at the time was was really a, a somebody I could learn from. And that was probably the biggest piece is I could learn from that staff. So I was, as soon as they offered me, I was pretty much in. Yeah. And you, uh, I mean, it got some, a lot of great support, uh, up in the community there in, uh, Victoria. Uh, you know, sounds like year in and year out, the attendance records were going through the roof. Um, and, some really ultra competitive, uh, competitive games, uh, throughout the two years that you bet you were there. Um, you know, what's, what's one of those games that just kind of sticks out to you to this day? Um, actually it was the one, um, this last summer we're in the playoffs against Wenatchee ultimately enough. And, it's it's a four run lead. We go into the ninth. We're we're down four. We get two, two guys on, and head coach Todd Haney and um, we look at each other, and we said we're going to win this ball game, bottom of the ninth, and this is game three of the playoffs to go to the championship, and we get to uh, get two guys on. Scored two, and then all of a sudden, a walk hit my pitch, and then Harrison Spawn goes double to the right center gap and tie it up. Or excuse me, tie it up because bases were loaded, and then he goes there and hits it, walks it off. That was probably the most exciting thing in that stadium that went on. It was that, and then when they had Claire Eccles, who was the first female to ever pitch in the West Coast League, would come into the game, and there was 5,000 people there going nuts for her to come get her outing was kind of an experience that it's hard to explain. Yeah, I really want to jump in. I really want to jump into that with, with Claire because, I mean, that was – 
I mean, that's something that has that hasn't been done um, like that before in you know in in this league and in many other higher <laughs> leagues where a woman's actually come in and um, you know the the Harbor Cats took a chance on that and, and were out on the forefront uh, and you know she se- she seemed to do really well um, in her time there. Uh, is there are there some things that she you know, as a, as a as a player, taught you as a coach, and it just differently in how she may have looked at the game as compared to you. Um, you know, she was such a sponge and wanted to learn that. I remember sitting um, in the bullpen at home on one of her first days up there, my first year, which would have been her second year that she'd been there. Um, and asking me questions of what do you look for in a swing? Why would you throw a pitch there? Why would you do this? And at that moment, cause you know, when I got hired, it was, oh, by the way, you signed the contract. Oh, by the way, there's going to be a girl on the coaching staff or on the pitching staff. Okay. Um, and so I, I didn't quite know what capacity of knowledge she would have at the time, but she was so involved in wanting to learn that it was, and she had to go through, you know, some tough, tough spots, you know, being a female in a male predominant sport. So she taught, you know, as long with us, you know, how to be tough in times of, not so easy actions, you know, people, comments from, you know, other teams, the stands, whatever the case was, she just wanted to go out and be a part of the team. It didn't matter. And that was, you know, really fun to see a young person have such a big impact on a, a community by just standing up and doing what she wanted to do. Yeah, um, well, I know one of my memories of the Harbor Cats from this past season uh, was when I think you guys had played. It was I think it was in Bend. Maybe you went extra innings, and I mean it was a, that was a long game. And I mean Walla Walla. Well, yeah, Walla Walla. You had extra innings in Walla Walla, and then you go home to Victoria. You play Ridgefield, and I think you guys went fourth or 15 innings that game so you're you're looking at I think it was in the the 20 I mean 20 to 30 innings in two games. we went we went 19 in Walla Walla yeah so you had what 19 in Walla Walla 14 or 15 in Victoria so you're looking at 33 34 innings in two games and then because that night because that game went later and then you guys couldn't catch the ferry because you had to come down to Ridgefield. And then you see, then you leave early the next morning. And that's when I first met you. Was that Ridgefield? Is that <laughs> you guys had left early the next morning to get the first ferry across from Victoria yeah. to then come down to the game? And you, I mean, you guys just look like you're like, oh my god, you know, on the road again, but just look tired, but played yeah, well. It was- it was really funny too, as 
is that game in Walla Walla was our third game in the series. And, you know, it's it's a two-to-one ball game. It's not like it's a 1919 route going on. And at towards about the 15th, because there had been a little bit of back and forth between the teams, and then about the 15th, all of that goes away. And guys are going, hey, let's just rock, paper, scissors to get out of here. Our bus driver's upset with us because we missed our departure time to get back for the ferry, to get back to Victoria. Um, and so it's, you know, we couldn't find anywhere to stop to eat as well. We didn't stop until three in the morning when we found a Love's gas station that was open. And uh, <laughs> and then we go back and, of course, the first game of that Ridgefield series, we have to go extras. And, you know, we're just, everybody's going, can somebody just win or lose? I don't even care at this point because we're, you know, we got back at 10 o'clock this morning and we're now at 10 o'clock at night trying to finish a game. And then, yeah, and then we go down to Ridgefield and then we had to go from Ridgefield to Bend for a three-game set. <clears throat> so that was, that was the probably the roughest part of the, the summer trips. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was pretty rough couple of days. I, you know, I can give you that. <laughs> so you, uh, so you finish up, you know, 2000, 2000, 2018, 2019 with the Harbor Cats, and then come the off season, and uh, Wenatchee comes calling, the Apple Sox, and uh, in two September of this year, which is 2019, yeah. you were hired on. As the fifth head coach in team history, uh, you know, tell us about that. Tell us about you know that excitement of now uh, being the the new head coach for the Apple Sox. It was uh, it's fun, you know. I had family in Wenatchee, so I used to, as you know, when I was eighteen years old, go to Apple Sox games. Um, and you know, it was a tough call because I had so many positive things going on in Victoria you know Todd Haney and Curtis um, are, are two guys that I respect and are friends with so it was like you know I'm going away for the summer to go hang out with my buddies and now I'm going to go somewhere else and so that was a, a that was tough and you know Victoria you know I tried to make sure I did everything the right way with them because they did enough for me a po enough positive stuff for me you know, when I got offered the job, they tried to keep me. They tried to entice, entice me to stay. And ultimately, I just felt like it was it was time for me to challenge myself and get out of the, the realm of just pitching uh, um, and see if, you know, see if I was good at, good at the next piece of it as well. And so it was exciting, man. It was fun. I know I get to live with my aunt this summer. Um, she was excited. Um, a lot of my family is going to come and visit um, so they can see the aunt and also see me. So it's besides the baseball piece, there's a huge family aspect that I didn't actually quite think about at the time when I took the job. And then it starts getting brought up. And so now there's that excitement, too. And you know, Wenatchee has a lot of good history in the West Coast League. 
You know, they won early. They were one of the original teams. Um, and, and for me, that's a big draw. The history and being a staple and having success is and, – and tradition to try to uphold that, which can be a burden to some. And it is – it's not easy, but I also – if I can do right by that name, then I feel like I'm a part of their history as well. Yeah, and uh, you know, Jose, the uh, the owner, said of you, Ian brings his history of success in Victoria and Lower Columbia Community College to Wenatchee. I'm sure the success will follow him here as well. Ian knows the league and should be able to step right into what we are trying to accomplish. His enthusiasm, knowledge of the game will serve our players well. How does that make you feel? No, it's a nice thing, man. It's it's nice to feel recognized at times. It's nice to feel um, that praise. Um, but for me, as soon as those words come out, all right, it's time to go to work. I got a job to uphold now that he's put so much into me that I got to go do the the best that I can to make sure I try to do what I can for him saying those nice things and believing those. And so it was time to get to work. You know, as soon as, as soon as that pen dropped, it was, it's time to get to work. And where are you at for his work right now uh, <laughs> for, with, with the organization? Cause I, was it a pitching coach that you just hired on? Uh, no, I'm in a, uh, he's going to help with the offense. Um, so what what the plan is, you know, kind of is, is I'll oversee the pitchers. Um, and then, you know, Nick Brooks is on board, played for, is an Apple Sox alum. So that's, you know, kind of a cool thing. But then, you know, we're going to get one more guy and they're going to kind of be in charge of the offense, you know, is, and I learned this, you know, mostly from, um, Coach Smith and then Todd Haney is if you're going to bring guys in to do a job, you got to trust them to do their job. So I'm going to bring some guys in to work with the offense. They're going to have a lot. They're going to run the offense within the realm that I've kind of laid out guidelines of what I'd like to do. And then I'm going to give them their shot to go out and do that. And I have to, you know, just like players, you know, we're all going to be success and fail. They're going to have to learn how to be good, and they're going to have to learn how to be uh, able to adjust. And so, so yeah, he's going to work with the offense and catchers. And then so we're still waiting on another one. Um, been a lot of good candidates that have come through. Um, just trying to get the right guy to fit what we want to do. Yeah. And uh, it's gonna be gonna be an interesting season. Um, I'm sure you're already looking at what players uh, you're wanting to bring in uh, for the year. So uh, I, I'm sure those announcements either have come out or will be coming out shortly. Yeah, I mean we're we're close to um, position players are, uh, have all been filled. Um, obviously pitching takes a little bit more time because there are so many, um, leagues in the summer that coaches are very scared about arms. Um, so that'll come out 
um, in the spring, mid springtime, things will happen like that. Um, so, you know, we're close to being done anyways. And so I'm excited about that. I think we have a good group and, you know, I'm able to make a few phone calls of guys that I've met throughout the world, the world of baseball and, they've helped me out and I'll try to help them out by getting their players better. Yeah. It's going to be a good year. So, uh, the Apple Sox kick off their season that, that, which is the 21st season on June 4th, 2020. And that's where you can catch coach Ian Sanderson, uh, in the dugout, um, coaching your, uh, Wenatchee Apple Sox. Uh, so it'll be great to see you out there and see you as a head coach. So, um, I appreciate uh, you you coming on and uh, spend some time with me, Coach. No, absolutely. I appreciate everything. It's been fun uh, being able to have a little bit more relaxed conversation than the last time that we were face to face. Yeah. Well, it, it's great. I really appreciate you, you know your time, um, I, and I look forward to forward to seeing you in the summertime. Me too, man. We'll have to uh, we'll have to link up when we get down to. Ridgefield or down into Portland. Exactly. So, uh, well, that'll do it uh, for this episode. Again, Coach Sanderson, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate your time. And uh, keep it here, locked into the Diamonds and Roses podcast as we try to bring you great episodes like this and others each and every week. Peace out. <laughs>